verse 1 and read through the end of verse 12. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And we'll stop there and we're going to look at a few things uh, from this portion of God's Word for a little while tonight. Well, I have to confess that throughout my Christian life, I've always been a little bit mystified by the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ. To me, it's a deep text, and it may not be a deep text to other people, but to me, it's something that I've always, when I read it, I don't feel like I fully understand the significance of it. First of all, we know that He's God. Secondly, we know that He is without sin. And we know that He could not sin because of who He was. And yet we know that He was tempted, and the temptation had to have been a very real temptation. He was tempted as man because we're told that God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he anyone. So he was tempted as man. Now what is temptation? Temptation is a solicitation to do that which is contrary to the will of God. It's a a satanic solicitation to get a person, a human being, to do that which is sinful, that which is evil, and that which is contrary to the will of God, to the Word of God. It's interesting to me that the temptation of Jesus is recorded in three of the four Gospels. It's also interesting to me that it's not recorded in the fourth Gospel. It's interesting to me that the Gospel of John says nothing, to my knowledge, about the temptation of Jesus. It's also interesting to me that in the Gospel of Mark, so little is said about it. Mark is so brief. He speaks of it, he he mentions it, and then he passes by. And there's a lot more information in the account that's given to us in the Gospel of Matthew and the account that's given to us in the Gospel of Luke. Mark mentions it, speaks of it, and then he continues on with his narrative. In the Gospel of Matthew, we have basically the same information given to us as is given to us here, except there are some things that Matthew does not record that are recorded in the Gospel of Luke. And another thing about the record in Matthew's Gospel is that it is given to us in a different order. The temptations 
in Matthew are recorded in a different order than they're recorded in the Gospel of Luke. In my opinion, the Gospel of Luke gives us the most full record, the most full narrative of what happened in the temptation of our Lord. I think there's some lessons here about temptation in general because we as believers know what it is to be tempted. And what I wanted to do is I want to just think about some of the things that you can see in this portion of God's Word tonight. Now the first thing I want you to think about is that temptation came to him as he was full of the Spirit. The, verse, the, the, the narrative begins in verse 1, And Jesus, full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Occasionally, someone might say something like, well, you need to be full of the Spirit or you might fall into temptation. Well, the reality is no one was more full of the Holy Spirit than the Lord Jesus. He was given the Spirit, we're told in Scripture, without measure. And no one knew what it was to walk in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit like the Lord Jesus himself. And yet even though he was said to be full of the Holy Spirit, we find him being tempted. We need to understand that it's not just when you drift away from God that you might be tempted. It's not just when you're not walking closely to the Lord that you might be tempted. It's not just, you know, when you're not praying or when you're not in the Word or when you're not fellowshipping with the saints as you ought to. It's not just at times when maybe in your life and in your heart you've kind of got a distance between you and Christ and you're not really walking under the, under the control of the Holy Spirit. It's not just times like that that you might face temptation because Jesus was full of the Spirit and He endures 40 days of temptation. Another thing. This text tells us that temptation came to him as he was led by the Spirit. It's interesting. I think it's in the Gospel of Matthew that we're told that the Spirit drove him. Or maybe that's the Gospel of Mark. That the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. He didn't just wander into the wilderness and find himself tempted. He was led there. <clears throat> and he was led there by the Spirit of God. <clears throat> and that brings us to think about something. You might be in the very center of God's will and face temptation. You might be exactly where the Lord wants you, doing exactly what the Lord called you to do. You might have been led there by the Holy Spirit, and there, at that place, in the will of God, in the very center of what God wants you to do, there, because the Spirit of God led you there, you may face a season of temptation. Temptation came even though he was being led by the Spirit. Now that makes us think about the fact that sometimes we have this idea that if I'm just following Christ, I'm not going to have a difficult time of it. Well, that's not true. If I'm just following Christ, if I'm in the will of God, if I'm right where God wants me to be, the path will be smooth and it won't be difficult and it won't be painful and I won't be tested and I won't be tempted. Well, that's not true. It wasn't true of Jesus. He was in the wilderness by divine appointment. He was in the wilderness because the Lord led him to the wilderness. He was in the wilderness in the will of God, not out of the will of God. He was in the place where he was tempted following the Father, not 
you know, rebelling against the Father. He was there by divine appointment and by divine choosing. Full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Don't get any better than that, right? Which what we're, we're told to be being filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians. And we're told to be led by the Spirit. And we're told that those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God in the Word of God. So the reality is that a Christian, if this is true of Jesus, this is true of us, a Christian can be filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, and find him or herself in a place of temptation. Number three. Another thing here is that temptation was satanic. It says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. The devil was the author of his temptation. Now, that causes us a problem because we know that God led him there. We know that he was led there by the Spirit, but we know that Satan was the one who did the tempting. And we know this, you know, the Scripture says that God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt anyone. So any solicitation to do that which is evil, any solicitation to do that which is sinful, any solicitation to do that which is contrary to the will of God and the word of God has to be satanic in origin. It's not from God. Now, we understand that God being sovereign and God being a God of providence, that God allows it, right? So we have a great example of that in the story of Job. In the story of Job, it is not God that brought these sorrows and difficulties upon Job, but it is God that permitted Satan to do it according to his own sovereign purposes and his own sovereign plan. Have you ever been through something really bad and you found yourself laying in bed at night going, Lord, I know you could have stopped this. I know that you could have kept this from happening, and yet you didn't. I know that, you know, the word tells me that you love your children and that you're good and that you're kind and that you're in control and that you know everything and that you have all power. So I know that you could have kept this from coming into my life, but you didn't. And so it is with temptation. Sometimes God allows satan to tempt us sometimes god allows us to be in places in life where we're tempted and where we have to endure a season in which there is this solicitation to do that which is contrary to the will of god contrary to the word of god that which is displeasing in his eyes and you know, we would ask the question, why would God allow such a thing? Well, there's probably endless numbers of reasons why God would allow such a thing. But one of the reasons he would allow such a thing is to teach us the truth about ourselves, which we are so easily deceived about. To, you know, for instance, you know, isn't it true that Jesus could have kept Peter being put in the position 
that he denied Jesus three times. But isn't it also true that even though the Lord warned him and the Lord had prayed for him, he still allowed him to be put in that position. And Peter probably learned more about himself there than anywhere else that he ever was in his life because of his own failure. Because I'm going to tell you, it's a humiliating thing to tell Jesus, everybody else may let you down, but I won't. And you be the biggest failure out of all of the twelve, except, of course, for Judas. So sometimes he allows it because he teaches us things about ourselves. Another thing, I think he allows it because he teaches us things about this world. It's easy, if you're not careful, it's easy to forget that we're walking in a swamp. <laughs> that we're walking in a world that is evil. That we're walking in a world that is in opposition to God. That we're walking in a world that hates our Savior. That we're walking in a world that is no friend to the child of God and no friend to the grace that's in the child of God's heart. And sometimes to be put in a position of temptation reminds us of the kind of world that we're living in. A fallen world, a sinful world, a corrupt world. But another thing, it teaches us about our Master. And, and sometimes a season of temptation will remind us of His worthiness, His beauty, His glory, His goodness, His worth. Because He's worth more than the things of this world. And the things that are put before us to tempt us do not compare to Him in value or worth or honor or glory. So I think the Lord allows it because He has a benevolent purpose in it. But He is not the author of the temptation. Satan is. Calvin said something famous. Calvin probably said a lot of things famous. Most of them I don't know. But Calvin said that the devil is God's devil. That even Satan, in all of his rebellion and hatred and malevolence, that even Satan is under the control of the sovereignty of God. Number four. Temptation was for an extended period. Jesus was tempted for 40 days. I'm certain, because we're told in Scripture that he was tempted in all points as we are, and I'm, I'm certain that these three recorded temptations are just the three recorded temptations. There would have been more. There, it would have been a season of intense, intense temptation. And it went on for 40 days. Now, it seems to me... You know, I don't know the mind of God on everything, but it seems to me that we go through seasons of intense trial and intense difficulty and intense um, temptation at times in our lives. And it may go on for an extended period of time. In this case, it went on for 40 days. You say, well, 40 days is not that long. Well, it is if you're Jesus. And you're in the wilderness, and you're thirsty, and you're hungry, and you're alone, and Satan keeps bombarding you with solicitations to do that which is contrary to the Father's will. Number five, 
temptation in this text was connected to a legitimate need. Now let me ask you something. Is it sinful to eat bread? No. It's not sinful to eat bread. Look, if you're hungry, is it sinful to eat bread? No. Jesus had a legitimate need as man. And it was physical sustenance and physical hunger. And Satan comes to him in his hunger. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. He was hungry, we're told. And Satan comes to him and says, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. So Satan is tempting him through a very legitimate human need. Something that is a legitimate need that a man needs, bread to live. And Satan comes to him and solicits him to do evil by using something that is a legitimate need. And something that in and of itself is not sinful at all. It's not sinful to eat bread. It's not sinful when you're hungry to eat. But what was the root of the temptation? The root of the temptation was to act independently of the Father. Now, sin is independence. Sin is independence. Sin says, I'm going to do what I please. I'm going to put me before God. I'm going to determine what is right, what is wrong. I'm going to determine what I need and how my needs will be met, regardless of the will of God and regardless of the word of God. Now that's the root of this temptation for Jesus to turn a stone into bread. Because think about it. The temptation was to violate the will of God to meet a legitimate need but to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Now, just think about this. How many times do we as men and women, how many times do we get tripped up and we fail and sin because we have a legitimate need, but we want that need to be met in an illegitimate way because we won't trust God or we won't wait on God or we won't leave it in the hands of God. Now, I'll give you another example of that. Abraham had the legitimate need of an heir, didn't he? He had, it was, I mean, it was a legit, he grieved over the fact and he told the Lord once, Eleazar of Damascus, who's in my house, is going to inherit because I have no heir. But the Lord had promised him an heir. Now the problem is, the Lord had promised him an heir, but 25 years had passed, and the Lord had not yet kept his promise. Now, here's the thing. If the Lord says he'll do something, and 25 years later, it hasn't been done, does that mean... He's not going to do it. Does it, does it? No. Now, with me, if I tell you I'm going to do something in 25 years past, I probably forgot about it. But not God. 
So when Abraham and Sarah come up with the plan of him going into Hagar and having a child with Hagar, he was attempting to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. And this is, I think, what we have here in the temptation of Jesus. Satan is saying, you're hungry. That's a legitimate need. Work some magic. Instead of, I'm going to trust the Father that in his own time, in his own way, he'll meet my need, which is a legitimate need. To me, there's an ocean of wonder (laughs) in these words when Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Because man needs bread to live. But the key word is alone. There's something more important than the physical and the material part of life, isn't there? There's something more important than just the gratification of physical needs. And that is the will of God. God himself. What he's saying is, you want me to step outside of the will of my Father and meet my need in an illegitimate way, but there's something more important than bread. Because man doesn't live by just his physical needs or his physical appetites. And one of the accounts says, adds, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The temptation was to act independently of the Father and to meet a very legitimate need, but to meet it in an illegitimate way. Another temptation here was connected to the desire for earthly glory and earthly honor. The next temptation, we're told that the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, the glory of the kingdoms. For it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Now this temptation was, it was a temptation to desire earthly glory earthly honor, earthly power, earthly authority. And this is so written in fallen men, but it wasn't written in Jesus because Jesus was not fallen. Men want glory. Men want power. Men want honor. Men want authority. And the temptation here was a temptation to idolatrous worship. Because Satan said, this has been delegated to me. And I can give whoever I want authority and power over all these kingdoms. But the only price is you've got to bow down and worship me. And the temptation was the temptation to idolatry. The temptation to an illegitimate worship. The temptation 
to the worship of something other than God for the sake of earthly glory and earthly gain. And this is often the ruin of men. The temptation, the third temptation, was the temptation to test God and not trust Him. Satan takes him to the pinnacle of the temple and says, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. Then he quotes Scripture twice. And what he's basically saying is, put God to the test. You know, jump off here and just put God to the test. And it's a temptation not to trust God, but to put God to a test. And men do that. Just a few more. The temptation, This I find this interesting. The temptation came with a corruption of Scripture. Now this is proof that Satan knows his Bible. It's also proof that Satan will use his Bible to ruin people, to deceive, to manipulate, to solicit them to sin. Satan will use Scripture to posit and to present his arguments to the mind. How many of you ever met someone that would justify some obvious wrong and they would use Scripture to justify it? It happens. And then people do it also just thinking that what they believe is scripture and it's not scripture, it's just some saying. Like, like, well, doesn't God want me to be happy? You know, well, someone said to me the other day, well, I hope you're happy. I said, well, I hope I am too. But I said, there's more important things in life than that. They looked at me like I was crazy. There are more important things in life than just the pursuit. You know, it's written in our... Was it, is it the Declaration of Independence, the, the pursuit of happiness and people, you know, but, but you have to be careful about that. In, in, in the sense of our government, yes, we ought to be free to pursue the life that we want to pursue so that we can hopefully have a happy, blessed, and prosperous life. But if a person goes out in relation to God and just pursues happiness, they're going to they're gonna find themselves in a ditch somewhere. Because more important than some sense or feeling of happiness is our relation to God. The fear of God. The honor of God. He corrupts Scripture. He quotes Scripture in verse 10. He quotes Scripture again in verse 11. And he uses Scripture to try to get Jesus to put God to the test instead of to trust God. And you know, we have to be careful that, you know, Scripture is rightly understood and that we don't, you know, use Scripture or allow Scripture to be used in its, to be twisted or perverted in a way that it would lead us into rebellion against God. He was tempted to test God. Instead of trust God. Two more and I'm done. Temptation was overcome by submission to God's word. Three times Jesus says, it is written. 
and he quotes scripture. But it's more than just, it's not, to face temptation, it's not just knowing scripture and use it as some kind of an incantation. What he's saying is, for instance, when he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, he's saying, I'm not going to do what you want me to do because there are more important issues than just my hunger. And I'm going to do the will of God. When Satan says, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and honor and authority, and he says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. He's saying, I'm not going to do what you want me to do because it is not God's will for anything to be worshipped but him. And when he says, it is written, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He's saying, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. He's not saying, I'm just going to quote some scripture back to you, but he's saying, this is the reason. This is the, this is the foundation of why I refuse your solicitations to do what's wrong. The word of God. Um, thus we need our minds and our hearts filled with the word of God and not just to where we can say well here's a verse but where we can say here's why I can't right here's why I won't then lastly temptation's season will eventually come to an end when the 40 days are over and it was an intense time of testing and temptation, the devil departed from him. Not permanently, but for a time. The devil departed from him, but for a time. You know, the Lord's wisdom is perfect in when he knows when we need a rest, doesn't he? He knows when we, he knows when we need a trial and a test, but he also knows when we need a rest, when we need relief. And the Lord's wisdom is always perfect in that. <clears throat> Sometimes you just got to hold on for another day because the rest may be coming tomorrow. You know, sometimes... In a battle, you just got to keep fighting today because you may be relieved. Or the battle may be won tomorrow. The victory may come tomorrow. You don't want to come just short of the finish line and collapse. You want to finish and finish well. Every believer is tempted. Not just young believers. When I was a young Christian, I thought, well, man, some of these things I'm wrestling with as you get older, that will get better. It's just different. You just, you're always, as, as long as you're in the body. As long as you're in the body. For instance, uh, a young person might be tempted to covetousness and greed. Right? Because well, I'm going to try to, I want, I want things. So I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get the things that I want. And as they get older, they may 
that may improve in their life. God may work in their heart and they may become more content, more satisfied, more at peace, more at rest. Um, but an old person might have been sweet-spirited and happy and thankful and joyful when they're young and then just become a bitter old grit when they get old, you know. And um, so there's no season in life that you're going to be free of temptation. Temptations may be varied. They may change. They may be of one type when you're at a certain age and a different type later in life. But they're always going to be there. You know, the best Christian, let's say the best Christian any of us can imagine, could have lived his or her life in their home, on their land, and been the greatest of blessings and joys to their neighbors. And then somebody new moves in. And they have a problem. And it becomes a real issue with how do they handle this, how do they, you know, what do they do, how do they treat the people, how do they respond to whatever wrongs that the people may do, or, you know. There's just, there's just no place you're going to get in life where you're not going to face, you know, temptation. Let's pray. Father, we love your word. Thank you for the victory of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for the power of the word of God. Thank you, Lord, that the word written in the heart is better than the word written on the page. And that whenever we face satanic solicitations to do evil that there is strength at hand there is help in the word of God and the help of the spirit that we may be tempted as we're in the will of God walking in the spirit and yet you have a purpose when it comes Amen